Hey folks and welcome to another episode of PodCraft. This is the podcast about podcasting, everything from skills and equipment and everything in between. And you know, this is season eight where we're getting down to basics with a lot of podcasters around the internet. And we're continuing on this season with another interview today. Uh, Somebody I was introduced to very recently and has a really interesting background, runs a great show. We'll find out a bit more about that during the episode. So I'd like to welcome Tor Holt onto the show. How are you doing, Tor? I am doing fantastically well, Colin. Just as I was saying, off the back of a running a workshop this morning with Bob Keeler for the SPE, that's Society of Petroleum Engineers at Aberdeen University. So I'm always on a little bit of a buzz after a speaking engagement. So my apologies up front if I go a little over the score and you need to use your bleeper. <laughs> You're welcome to, welcome to. Always, yeah, always makes good radio, so that's fine. <laughs> so uh, yeah, thanks for um, agreeing to spend a bit of time with us anyway this afternoon, even after you've been speaking all morning. Um, I think the main thing that we sort of, well, actually that, I suppose that segues us straight into it, doesn't it? Your background is around training and speaking skills. Is that right? Yeah, over the last six years, it has been. I mean, my overall, my overall professional description could be summed up in one word. I'm a coach. So that is really, it could be in a whole load of different areas, Colin, uh, whether it be presenting, pitching. These are the kind of things that people actually pay me for. Uh, Working with a young lady right now who suffers anxiety around interviews and public speaking, all the way through to, you know, commercial pitching where it might be a 20 million pound piece of work and the company brings me in because I'll bring a level of discipline to the project. So yeah, that's mainly what I do. Mm -hmm. But the podcast, I mean, Mm -hmm. we'll probably get onto that. So it doesn't relate directly to my coaching. It's more it's more often to just a, an area of fascination, and I have many of them. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll probably <laughs> accidentally buffer up against. <laughs> That's all interesting people do, I would say. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll get into the podcast as well. In fact, let's start with that section. That's what I had planned, so we might as well stick to the plan, which was around uh, something that you're obviously pretty good at and something that... A lot of people I know struggle with, a lot of people that come to us, and that is finding good guests. Mm -hmm. So you've got a lot of podcasts out there that are interview shows that, you know, majority of the content is actually with guests. Uh, And it's quite easy. It's it's often an easy entry point, I find, for people that come to us because they think they can kind of, they're almost outsourcing their good content, but Mm -hmm. uh, not really taking into account the fact that to find people that can create good content, be good interviewees is actually really tricky. Um, and you've sourced some brilliant interviews over the years, haven't you? Um, I think, yeah, I don't want to have, I don't want to pick favorites, but I'll say <laughs> that some of the ones that spring to mind are Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert and Abdella Tai, who is probably not as big a name, but he's the first openly gay Muslim Arab novelist. So kind of a, <laughs> kind of a paradoxical situation. You could say, if you know much about, uh, that, that, uh, religion, uh-huh. but he, he was a, fascinating interview and and not because he's a big name so scott adams is obviously a bigger name because most people have heard of dilbert and he's written 15 successful books in the states um gavin mckinnis who's the Mm -hmm. co-founder of vice and is a bit of a crazy man on fox and rebel media in various places and kind of pretty big all over the internet to be honest yeah so so those there's a variety of people and some kind of writers and journalists in this country too like um peter hitchens Mm -hmm. nick cohen from the guardian yeah um just some to me, it's not so much about the big name, though. It's about 
the fact that I usually, not every single time, I'll be honest, but most of the time I've read an article or a book by these people and they've, or, or seen a bit of film by them and they've piqued my interest in some way. Yeah. So there is a, there's usually a genuine reason why I would love to have them on the show. And I think that helps me. Well, I know that helps me in terms of actually getting them on the show. But if you want to talk about how I get from the stage where I fancy interviewing someone to where I actually have them on the show, mm-hmm. I can, I can easily unpack that. Yeah, definitely want to get into that. Definitely want to get into that. But I think that first thing that you went through there was really interesting because I, I think you're absolutely right. It doesn't matter about the name. Didn't, being a big name helps in terms of you'd love to get big name people on your show because it helps promote you, that type of the sort of extra goodies that come along with that. Um, but it doesn't mean they're going to be interesting. It doesn't mean they're going to create great content. So is that how, that's how you decide whether somebody's going to actually create value, be interesting on a show. It's around seeing them give out a good bit a good nugget in the first place is it always is it always writing you find that or is it just do you where where do you look for these types of people where do you look for that nugget yeah it's a good it's a good question it's often writing because i do consume a lot of content in terms of written word i mean i love uh, writing myself and i love reading the written word and i love kind of controversial or edgy opinions from left or right or from a religious perspective or non i just love all that stuff and yeah. i think that feeds into my coaching work actually but because i love that i kind of go looking for it and i'll move from piece to piece yeah, across yeah. the political spectrum and that that's really the that's the first place i look for it is just in my own reading but in terms of other content yeah there's been video content of course working as i do in the presentation and pitch space i also find people through youtube videos or presentations they've done online um, that is another way that I would be attracted to someone. It's certainly something I use to research them a little bit before I approach them. Mm-hmm. I would always go, even if I just read something, I'd jump to YouTube and or iTunes, search them and just check a couple of bits of content that they've that they've been a part of before. So yeah. It would be very rare that I would have someone on the show that I hadn't either read and or usually heard them in in some context as well. And partly yeah. that's it's about me building up a persuasive reason to approach them because I don't just say, as a rule, I wouldn't just simply say, please come on my show. You know, I want to be able to give them a little indicator, not in a kind of sycophantic way, but a little indicator that I have consumed some of their ideas and that I, and I kind of get them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, that would be a starting point, Colin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, that's great because... I- it sounds to me like you're you're finding angles before you've even yeah so you're finding those angles before you even approach them and is that does that always lead into the show itself the reason i the reason i ask that is because there's so many people i find approach you for an interview and just think oh this is an interesting person to talk to just in general Mm-hmm. Uh, but I find that, you know, one of the biggest skills in interviewing is actually making sure you have a really good point, a really good angle for the thing in the first place. Is, does that always, is that always at the front of your mind at the start as well? It's probably not, it's probably not, this, well, I'll, I'll naturally, if I've consumed some of their content, I'll naturally have, start developing an angle, I guess. I, I'd love to explore something in particular with them. Yeah. So I interviewed Claire Fox from mm-hmm. the Institute of Ideas and The Moral Maze is where a lot of people might have heard her, uh, The Moral Maze BBC, BBC show on Radio 4. And I interviewed her just last week. And it kind of, because I'd heard her before on The Moral Maze, and then I'd, I'm in the middle of reading a book of hers about, what's it called? Uh, something to do with offending people. I can't remember the name of it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I've, I have that many kind of touch points with her straight away it was obvious there were going to be questions around 
you know, uh, the culture of openness, freedom of speech, those kind of things. So you straight away have an angle in that case. But in some situations, it's much less obvious, you know, if you haven't as much familiarity with the writer or the filmmaker. But even with a minimal amount of effort, you know, and I would say minimal is half an hour of research on a guest, I, all the way through to a significant lot more. You know, some people I'll have read pretty much everything they've ever written before I go looking for them. Other people, I might just have read a couple of articles, which has taken me 20 minutes. But there's pretty much always something that's piqued my interest. So that is the beginning of my angle in terms of, yes, firstly, the pitch to get them on the show. Mm -hmm. And secondly, where at least one of the questions is going to come from. But if if you want to talk about the, the questions I use, I do have kind of fairly formatted questions just because I am looking to keep the focus on writing as mm-hmm, a rule. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I do have certain questions that I'll always try and use in some way. Yeah. But then, you know, one time, for example, I had uh, a Muslim writer from Dubai on the show with a with a female Christian writer from Breitbart in London. So mm-hmm. that could be the recipe for an absolute conflagration. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I obviously adjusted the questions well, I adjusted them hugely because I had the two of them on the show. So that was a different format straight away. And I was more of a facilitator. So I was trying to ask some questions, but also get them to discuss. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I suppose that leads into the pitch then. You mentioned the pitch towards the uh, the interviewee. How So how do you approach them in the first place? Well, Scott Adams is, is a, he's a bad example, but because he was an unusual one, but he's a good example in, in that it demonstrates what I think is important, which is something I call polite persistence. I actually initially approached Scott about a completely different uh, show that a, a Scottish media company was doing. I pitched them and said, look, I'd like to do an interview with this guy. I think he's saying some interesting things about Trump, actually, at this point. And this was way back when Trump first started running. I just thought it was an interesting angle because um, Trump having such a strong relationship with Scotland in terms of business and in terms of his previous relationships with politicians and things here and universities here. I said, that would be an interesting show, wouldn't it? To have this kind of reasonably big name commentator from the States talking about Trump on this Scottish business show. They said, love your idea. Go for it, Thor, if you can get him on. So I started striking up a relationship with Scott uh, by via Twitter, just kind of interacting with him on Twitter. Uh, eventually, I can't remember how I found his email, but I somehow found his email sent him an email i mean this went on for months and he agreed to do it and then he didn't show up for the interview date and so it kind of blew past and right. eventually you know it was in the past i couldn't i couldn't do the show anymore yeah. it, it was sort of forgotten but he's still there in my crm and i have a, a reminder at a certain period to check back in with people who are worth checking back in with for whatever reason and by this time i'd started my own show which has only been on the go since i think may last year so under a year Mm-hmm. the right with courage show and i thought you know what he's still speaking his truth pretty loud and clear about trump and he's also talking about persuasion and he's also written 15 books he'd be an interesting guy to get on my writer show so i went back to him with a kind of a cheeky approach something along the lines of i can't remember the exact words but it was one of those you never called you never wrote because the last time we'd had communication he'd basically stood me up for this interview i mean the guy's <laughs> maxed he's got a lot on his plate yeah, yeah. So you have to understand that i think with these people you and your podcast, sadly, may not be their top priority, but they will respond to polite and slightly entertaining persistence. So mm-hmm. when I went back to him with that, I got a one-liner back saying, yeah, cool, sounds great, because I just went back, you know, you never called, you never wrote, but now I'm running this show, and I think you'd be interesting because, and I always use that because, and yeah. so there has to be a genuine reason, 
So just putting in that word because and then whatever that sentence is, that can be enough. Other times with other other people, you know, I'll build a whole pitch email and I have a I have a template for doing that. If anyone's mm-hmm. interested, they can come pop along to my website and ask me for it through the inquiries and I'll I'll give it to them. It's called uh, Enterprise Impact Email. It's just a PDF. It's a one pager and it it's a proven way of building out an extremely persuasive email sounds manipulative it's not it's purely getting you to consider some common sense things like what is in it for them to actually you know take this to the next stage that i want what is my call to action at the end of the email why should they respond to it Mm -hmm. what is the emotional effect that i'm looking for and how do i want them to feel by the end of the email Mm -hmm. so it's it's some pretty common sense stuff and i'm happy to share it with any of your listeners who who wants to come to my website and and grab it or, yeah, that'd be or, great. Yeah. or whatever you want we'll link to that with the show notes for sure so i'll get the link off you at the end so yeah if you're listening to this uh pop over to the show notes at podcraft.net and you'll see uh you'll see the show notes there where you can pop over to tours and get the um the template but can you t- have you got a couple of examples then of the types of things that you <laughs> i suppose the the enticements what 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 do people look for or what has proved persuasive when talking to people into to, into coming to talk to you well the, the first thing is i find it has to be genuine but one thing would be one way i might open up an email would be something like um you know whoever the whoever the name of the author is i would say something like i've enjoyed your work in terms of and i would literally name an article i'd read or a book i'd read mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. would be true mm-hmm. and then i would go to look, the, the whole point of our show is represented by this quote. And I give them the Oscar Wilde quote, which is the headline of the show, which is an idea that is not dangerous is not worthy of being called an idea at all. And I say, I think what Oscar meant was, you know, tell a story, have an opinion, state your truth and be courageous. And that is what the show is all about. We look to get interesting, edgy, courageous writers, thinkers, filmmakers on the show. Mm-hmm. And I think you fit into that because, and again, just you have to be genuine. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't BS. I'm so I might say like Abdel Atai is a good example. I think you're courageous because you're openly gay. You're from a culture where it's obviously disapproved of, and you've written you know some novels and some books that could put you potentially in a place of danger. I think you do fit this, you know, fit what I'm talking about. You yeah. fit the quote of the show. Would you be interested in a conversation about coming on the show? Yeah. And then I would give a couple of specifics, and it's literally. You know, as I say, it's nothing manipulative. It's it's that it's that simple an approach. Yeah, yeah. It has to be genuine. I'm certainly not talking about trying to manipulate people, but that's just one way. Email. Yeah. The other way that classically has worked has been Twitter, and I'm happy to talk about that as well. Okay, just to finish up an email, uh, or even like, this will apply to them all. But do you ever use? Um, I suppose a return for them like do you ever say we get this many downloads therefore it's worth your time or you know we'll help promote you that promote this promote that or do you find that just actually playing to their you know their desires their their strengths that type of stuff that works well enough it's a great point i i i will mention it but i I don't like to overpromise and underdeliver and i can't mm. know exactly how many downloads any particular show will get so the way i would say it is you know the best week we ever had was 10,000 downloads or whatever it was at the time. I certainly wouldn't guarantee that for any particular show, but that's just to give you an indication of the best, you know, mm-hmm. listening figures we've had. We're a fairly new show. Um, and uh, the other thing I might use it tongue in cheek. I might say, come on and come on the show and we'll see if we can sell you know, see if you can sell a few more books type of thing. I would, yeah, yeah. I would word it more carefully than that. I, yeah. I might use that in a, it would depend on the personality. So for example, you get a crazy crazy guy like james dellingpole from uh 
he writes for the Spectator and Breitbart and things, and he's he's mad as a hat on Twitter. Yeah. Someone like that, I think you can <laughs> use a line like that. You know, you can take the mick a bit. Other people who are more inverted commas um, intellectual, for example. Yeah. So I've, I've interviewed. Um, you know, guys like uh, Timothy Garton Ash, who's a kind of an Oxford academic and written some fantastic books on freedom and free speech and things. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I wouldn't be quite as flippant with someone like that. So I would judge it accordingly in yes. terms of, yeah. you know, that kind of promising a commercial return. But I would never, you, you can't, can you? I mean, you might, someone, an, an author might go on the BBC and be interviewed in front of millions and sell no books. Yeah. They might go on yeah. some niche podcast and and sell a load of, a load of kit. So it's just, yeah, yeah. So I know I would be very wary of making those kind of promises. And I think, I suspect, I don't know this, but I suspect it would put a lot of people off if you were too specific in the in the kind yeah. of the commercial win side of things. Absolutely, yeah. And it, it's something that I've wrestled with at the, in the past when asking people, because you want to give a sense of scale in that, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Scott Adams wouldn't come on a show that is literally two weeks old with 50 listeners, um, mm-hmm. but you don't want to yeah, completely overblow it as well. So it's, it's an interesting one. I don't, I don't think there's an exact right answer to it. So No, there isn't. And I'll, I'll just tell you with Scott Adams, great example. He was interviewed by me before I even launched the show. So oh, there, were no, okay. there were no promises like that. This was purely, I'd built a relationship with him yeah. Remember yeah. through the first time when I was trying to interview him for the mm. show, and I never made him any promises. I just went back to him, human to human, and like, look, it'd be great to have you on the show. I'd still love to have you on the show. Now it's my own show. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I explained the ethos behind it. A lot of writers buy into the ethos behind my show. They love the idea that you're interviewing not so much necessarily big names, but mm-hmm. people who have a bit of courage about them, or write something a little bit out there, or a bit edgy. I think a lot of, well, I know a lot of writers and creators really like that idea and so they they get they buy into the the value behind it you know yeah, yeah. the encouraging freedom value that i kind of promote as as what the show is all about yeah yeah and i think that's an important point as well isn't it it's the fact that you know that's your audience your audience are creators they're they're probably even more averse to you know thinking commercially thinking in a mercenary mm-hmm. way than than others uh and you can easily pick these things off the shelf and try and reuse templates but actually you've got to entirely tailor it to your exact audience don't you so yeah yeah so twitter though twitter is interesting how how do you have used twitter in the past well, it's a great place to generate ideas of potential people to interview mm-hmm. in terms of what, you know, how one thing can lead to another to another. That's mm-hmm. one, you know, simple way it can work. But also, if you're looking to get the attention of someone, maybe not in mega world, if it was Richard Dawkins I was trying to attract, you know, he's got nearly 2 million Twitter followers. He's very unlikely to see an app mention. But if you have someone that has 50,000 or 100,000 Twitter followers, yeah, there's a much better chance that if they're quite into Twitter, they're going to l- at least monitor it some of the time. Mm-hmm. So even if you can't direct message them, there's a pretty good chance that you can you can get their attention through an app mention. So you might just retweet something of theirs that you genuinely like. Again, not, not blowing smoke, but something mm-hmm. genuine. Do that a couple of times, and then you might literally send them, like reply to something conversational they'd put out there that was obviously looking for replies. And then maybe three, four touches in, you might then go for the, uh, you know, I run a write a podcast, blah, blah, blah. Would you fancy being on it? You know, check it out. Yeah. Or are you interested? And that has worked a surprising number of times. Just that very, very simple approach. Okay, excellent. I, yeah, I I, I, th- I find it really useful as a sourcing method. So just using some good searches, some intelligent searches yeah. and uh, yeah, trying that relationship building. But I've, I have to admit, I've not that often approached people directly that way so i need to maybe try that a bit more often do you use any other social media at all or do you find twitter the most useful for that for me it's 
pretty much been Twitter. I've had a couple yeah. of interviews through LinkedIn, uh-huh. uh, but yeah, mainly it's, in terms of a social media way of contacting people, it's been Twitter. Yeah. And of course, you'll start with Twitter. Let's say it is Richard Dawkins. You might start yeah, with Twitter, yeah. then you'll link to their website, and that's another way I'll go. I'll go through the contact form because again, even the big names like Richard Dawkins, they're going to have somebody monitoring that. And in fact, I'm breaking no confidence to say that I have been in conversation with one of his assistants, mm. and I would love to have him on the show. Now, will I ever achieve it? I don't know, but I'll just keep t- ticking away at it because to have yeah. someone like Richard Dawkins on the show would be awesome. I'd love to have him on for a whole load of genuine reasons, not just because he's quite a big name, yes, but I'd yeah. love to get him in one-to-one conversation. Yeah. Now, his assistant thinks it's a great idea and has been trying to help me. So that's about me building a relationship with his assistant, who I won't name on here. But who knows if it'll ever work. But there's no manipulation going on. I mean, I wouldn't mind him hearing this interview. I'm I'm just trying to access someone who I think is genuinely fascinating for my listeners and for me. Well, there's nothing... there's nothing needs to be hidden there. I mean, that's what I'm up to. Yeah, indeed. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just relationships, all about the relationships, being genuine. So that's great. Um, do you have any, uh, I want to ask you a couple of quick things about um, speaking skills before you go, since that's one of your uh, uh, big expertises. But do you have any quick uh, last things to say about getting interviews, anything we've not covered that you've found really effective in the past? Oh, about about. About Getting about sourcing them, about about mm-hmm. anything, anything final, any final little tips for sourcing great interview content. I'm getting the feeling I'm missing something really obvious now. I'm going to think no, of it no, as soon no, as we no. go off the show. No, no, no. That has been. That has been. No, I think I think I've pretty much described how I've done it. I mean, I'd right, love to hear yeah. how you do it because, and I'm sure every podcaster would have their own methods, and so. Absolutely, it's a fascinating yeah. topic, actually. I'd, yeah, I'd, no, yeah. yeah, and it's one that's quite underserved, I think, as well. In terms of, <clears throat> like I said at the start, a lot of people think it's easy. A lot of people think it's it's the way to make podcasting much more, um, <laughs> you know, an easy ride for any uh, any creator because they think mm-hmm. they're outsourcing their content. But it's just, I think, it's a skill that's completely undervalued in mm-hmm. terms of the practice that has to go into delivering them as well as sourcing them. So, yeah. no, no, I was just, it was just in case there was any final little tips. But that that was really good. That was great. Um, I think there's some excellent tips in there for people to uh, to pick up and, and run with. So um, I wondered, last couple of things then, just around the speaking skills stuff, because this is another thing. And I talk about interview skills being undervalued. I think presentation skills are even worse because everyone knows how to talk. Everyone knows how to come on and have a conversation. But I think there's a lot of things that people could improve on with a little bit of practice, just a little bit of work on presentation skills. Do you have any uh, listening to shows yourself? What do you think podcasters get wrong when it comes to presenting and speaking on their shows? <laughs> Dangerous question where I sound yes. like a complete a-hole. Um, <laughs> I would say not just podcasters, but actually professional interviewers are worse than than podcasters here. And that is interrupting people oh it's just painful and you get people who have amazing stories or amazing ideas or amazing arguments and then they get talked over and i really try to control myself and try and listen people listen to them to the end of their thought or to the end of their story now obviously if they've gone on for 15 minutes you need to try and find a way to rein them in but that is a huge deal i think in terms of interviewing and when i've finished my interviews i'll pretty much always ask the people to stay online with me and i'll just ask for honest feedback about the interview Mm -hmm. and nine times out of ten the feedback is 
thought, loved your interview style because, not because I'm some great speaker, but because you actually shut your mouth and let me finish my <laughs> thoughts. So I actually think if you're going to do interview style podcasts, that's a big deal. And it's not normal in conversation. So many people interrupt each other in conversation that it's not normal. And it's certainly not normal for professional interviewers. So that would be my major point in terms of interviewing. Excellent. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I was going to say, what's uh, what's a quick win that people can achieve after this? But I think you just answered it by saying, uh, ask for feedback. Because so barely anyone that I know does that. I've been interviewed a bunch of times and no one's ever asked me, oh, was that good? Well, that's not true, actually, because we have done it with some people that we work with, with clients, I've done interviews with them. And they always ask, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? And there's huge improvements come out of that. So yeah, just ask the people you're interviewing, uh, listen back to the interviews you do as well, and you'll suddenly realize that you're inter- <laughs> interrupting people all the time too. So that's excellent. Okay. Ex- that was, yeah, I really enjoyed that actually, because um, certainly the getting interview stuff is something that I'm not, uh, I'm not that great at, to be honest. We don't do a lot of interviews on our shows. It's much more um, either just me myself or talking to Matthew or somebody in the team. Um, so it's definitely someone we were, we're planning to do a bit more of this coming year to get better at it, to get more experience with it. So I'm going to put some of your stuff into action. Go away and get your template. Um, talking of which, where can we find that then? I'll put the link in the show notes, but do you want to give us a link to, uh, where we can find you online, where we can find your podcast? I'm a, I'm a terrible online marketer in that I, I don't have it linked up online for someone to download. I actually did for a while, but I I like the personal touch. I don't believe there's going to be 10,000 people looking for it. So I would like people, if they just send me a one-line email, you Mm -hmm. know, hey, Thor, heard you on Colin's show, would love your email template. And you can just do that via my website contact page. That's where you'll find the the podcast. Of course, it's on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, all that. But the home of the show is my name, Thor Holt, T-H-O-R, holt.com so if people go to thorholt.com and then they want the email, email template just ping me an email through the, the the contact page and yeah you'll find all the shows on there perfect and the name of your podcast again for everyone write with courage okay. as in writer not as in yeah right on but right <laughs> as in writer yeah right with courage great so if you're on your uh, podcast listener right now you can open up ad feed let's search for that right with courage and uh, listen to Tor's show um okay thanks again for spending time with us uh, for all your tips uh and uh, yeah enjoy the rest of your day awesome thanks colin 